Hallelujah. Somebody said one time when God wants to do something big, he sets his people a-praying. He sets his people a-praying. And praying in faith becomes the key to answered prayer. And uh, that's what's so important today. And that's why the enemy fights our faith so desperately. Because he knows the Scripture. He knows the Scripture. He knows that God is a God that keeps His promises. And He knows the promises of God are yes and amen to them that believe. And He knows what happens when people believe. And He fears that. And that's why He fought faith in my son. He doesn't want my son calling on the name of the Lord. Because He knows the power of that. He knows the power of prayer. He knows the power of intercession. He can't handle God. He can't stop God. Amen. He can't hinder God. We can hinder God. So He works on us in order to hinder God. Believe me, doubt and unbelief hinders God from doing what He purposes and keeping His promises to you and to me. So He works on us over time. He wants to disqualify you. He wants to disqualify me. He never lets up. He's called the accuser of the brethren in Revelation chapter 12. Now is the accuser of our brethren. Remember the story of Job when angels are coming? Remember Jacob also? Jacob's ladder. I'm climbing Jacob's ladder. He laid his head down on a stone for a pillow. He goes into a deep sleep and God shows him a corridor. He described it as a ladder, but it wasn't a ladder. It was just a corridor between heaven and earth. And there was spiritual activity. Angels were ascending and angels were descending between heaven and earth. I want you to know God is not detached in his heaven from his creation here upon the earth. Angels are ascending to receive instructions from God, descending to carry out those instructions, particularly, New Testament says, in behalf of those who are sanctified. Can you say, man, cleansed and set apart unto God for His holy purpose. And he sees that in the book of Job, the most ancient book of the Bible. An angel shows up that was not only not invited, he was banned from coming, but he shows up and God to prove a purpose, allowed him that one instance to come up. And he said, what are you doing here? Well, God is omniscient. He knows what he was doing there. And he wanted to prove something. But what was the devil's purpose in coming? What was his purpose? To accuse. To accuse. To accuse. He said, all those people that you love so much, if you didn't bless them, if you didn't keep me from harming them, if you didn't somehow do something for them, they wouldn't serve you. They wouldn't love you. But God had a man in mind. He said, have you considered my servant Job a perfect man? Now, we know he wasn't sinlessly perfect, but he, his faith was perfect toward the Lord. His heart was perfect toward God. There was no salvation to make you perfect as we are in the blood of Jesus Christ in his eyes. But have you considered Job a perfect man? Now people start picking on Job 
need to back off. Because there's a lot of people that say, well, you know, he, he, that that he greatly feared came upon him. He was moving in fear if he'd have stood in faith. No, 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 no. God said that he was fine and he was all right with God. So back off of Job. And by the way, if you're worried about going through what Job went through, I dare say you're not perfect. Amen. So get over it. Don't be afraid anymore. Amen. Fear not. Have you considered my servant Job a perfect man? He said, yeah. But if you let me add him and let me take all those blessings that you've given him and, 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 and take that hedge down. See, this is something about intercession we need to get a hold of. When we stand in the gap, we make up a hedge. And a hedge is not agricultural as we would think initially of hedge. This is like a wall, impenetrable wall, a wall of righteousness that is encircling the person that we're interceding for and praying for. Amen. When we stand in the gap, we make up the hedge. And God looks for someone to do that because He wants to deliver. He wants to set free. He delights in mercy. This is what gives him great joy and when what hurts him and what is so negative to God. He said, I have no, 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 I have no joy in him that perisheth. There's no satisfaction when I have to judge anyone. I get no satisfaction out of that. But when a sinner repents, there's joy in the presence of angels. Not just angels, God the Father, God the Son. Rejoice in the presence of angels. When one sinner, it makes news in heaven. That's the grandest news that heaven ever gets. It's the headline. And when you came to Jesus, there was joy. There was dancing. There was shouting. There was clapping. Because God rejoices in mercy. And the Bible said he will joy over ancient Israel, his covenant people even. He will joy over you with singing. We think of always singing to the Lord. We never, hardly ever, think of God singing over us. I had a meemaw. She wasn't just a grandmother or a grandma. She was a meemaw. Some of you had a, what was some of the pet names for your grandmother? Anybody got a meemaw, mamaw? Nana, Nana, my dear, my dear, my dear, which is kind of a my dear derivative, my dear. You got a grandma, granny? Who that? Peaches? Peachy, peachy, I like that. Well, I had a peachy and a, a my dear and a meemaw. She wasn't grandmother. She was, she was the one that defended me. Don't spank him. Don't spank him. He didn't mean it. Amen. I love that woman. I miss her to this day. But we didn't have video games. So she would get me. And you know what the Bible said about God? And I think of my memo. This is God, the creator of the universe. But he wants to interact with us in a personal, intimate way. 
I will rejoice over you with singing. Number one, God sings a love song from his heart to us. That's incredible because generally speaking, the devil wants you to perceive God as aloof in his heaven, sitting way off from you and me, so distant that we might have to earn some kind of audience with him when in fact it, there was joy in the presence of angels when you came to Christ. And when anyone comes to Jesus, there was joy in the presence of angels. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what the Bible said in the New Testament? And taking a derivative from the Old Testament, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But he that glorieth or boast, let him boast in this, that he knows and understands me, saith God, that I am the Lord that executes righteousness and judgment and mercy. In all the earth, for in these things I delight, saith the Lord. There's nothing that pleases him more than to pardon a repentant sinner and to restore the soul of one that sin and Satan has absolutely defrauded and tried to destroy. Hallelujah. That's what really gets God excited. It's what lets the Holy Spirit just be released in such joy. Hallelujah. But we don't think of God in those terms. It's almost sacrilegious to us to think of God in those intimate terms. And yet Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he prayed, he didn't just say Father. He said, Abba, Father. If there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. He needed that closeness, that intimacy. My father's always with me. And he addressed him as Abba, Father. And the word Abba is Aramaic for the first syllables of a newborn child that recognizes his daddy for the first time. You can hear how close to dad it is. Abba, Abba, Abba. That little child in Israel would say, Abba, Abba, Abba. I remember when my son first said, Dada. He's 53 now. But I remember way back, boy, was he ugly when he was born. All mamas think their babies are beautiful. From a daddy's point of view, he was ugly. He was fat and bald-headed and red and wrinkled. I used to go to the gym, Matthew, and there was a t-shirt, an old guy with a t-shirt at the gym, and he was fat and (laughs) bald-headed. He said, said, I came into this world fat and bald-headed. I'm going out the same way. Amen. Amen. He wasn't pretty. He just, they, 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 soon as he was delivered, they brought him to the window and held him up, and they hadn't cleaned him up. And, and that was one little red, wrinkled, ugly-looking little thing. But I was so proud that I had a son, 16 years old, and I'm, a, I'm an Abba. I'm a daddy. But when he said daddy for the first time, it all changed. My heart melted He wasn't ugly anymore. He was pretty. Amen. 
daddy, something about daddy. I used to have sitting on my desk when we were at the Holy Church of God uh, in the building in Sulphur Springs. Uh, there was a, somebody had given it to me, and, uh, and there was a guy with a, with a lad up on his knee. And the cap- caption at the bottom said, a little statuette, at the bottom it said, Anyone can be a father, but it takes somebody special to be a daddy. So Jesus in Gethsemane said, Abba, Father, because he needed the full support and love and embrace of his father because he was going to a cross and he knew his destiny and he knew where he was headed from Gethsemane because he said, if there's another way to save mankind, if there's another way, if there's any other way, Abba, Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, there's the love between the Father and the Son and the oneness of purpose. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will be done. I'm so glad for that statement of Jesus in Gethsemane. But he's prefaced his prayer with an intimate Abba, Father, acknowledgement. Now, the Bible said that, that we need to be taught how to pray. They asked him, and they were well-schooled in how to pray by the religious order of their day. Amen? They were taught by the scribes and the Pharisees, and they were the example of how to pray. But they knew something was terribly missing in all of that religious activity without a relationship. So they came to Jesus, and they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And you know something? It's... He couldn't just start teaching. He had to teach them how not to pray before he could teach them how to pray. It started with undoing some things that they had been doing and taught to do to get it right. And what we commonly call the Lord's Prayer is an answer to them how to pray. And actually the principles in the Lord's Prayer, as we call it, should be in every prayer that is prayed. Everyone should have all the principles of the Lord's Prayer. It may not be the exact verbatim, but those principles should be in it. And he said, don't pray like the Pharisee does. Don't pray like the religious elite have been trying to model prayer to you. Because they think they're going to be heard by their much speaking. They're so eloquent. I remember... The story of a man who was asked to pray over the offering. He prayed over the offering. He, he didn't pronounce a couple of words just right. And, of course, someone always, to correct, caught him after the service and said, Do you realize that you didn't pronounce that word right? And you didn't pronounce that word right. And he looked back and said, Well, I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> Amen. I like that. God understands you don't have to have always perfect pronunciation. Amen. That's Popeye for pronunciation. Amen. God understands. Actually, prayer begins in the heart before it ever gets in the mouth. And if it doesn't start in the heart, nothing you say with your mouth is going to mean anything anyway. It all begins in the heart. And when God sees the heart, he'll listen, He knows the need before you bring it before Him. And he's looking for sincerity. He's looking for transparency. He's looking for faith in your heart toward him. And he's listening when you pray. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, 
You pray different than what the religion, the, the, the strict religious stuff has taught you. You've got to get into a relationship with God. God loves you. I came to tell you God wants a relationship with you. He came to get us reconciled to God. Let me, let me give you this today. We haven't read a lot of Scripture yet, but we're getting there. L- listen real, real carefully to this today. I want to make a statement. I hope it will shock you, and then I hope it will bless you. Heaven is not the primary reason that God saved you. That is a byproduct of something far deeper and greater blessing than just living in the holy city forever. Getting you into heaven is not the primary reason that Jesus came. It's a byproduct. It's a bonus. I go to prepare a place for you. But the emphasis wasn't on the place. John 14, I go to, in my Father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. This is about living with Him. He wants to be with us. That's why He made the promise, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And it's in the emphatic in the Greek. It's, I will never, no, never. Don't you ever doubt. When you can't feel Him, you can't see Him, you can't sense Him, never doubt that He is with you. Amen. He came to do what? The just has suffered for the unjust that He might bring us to God. That He might bring us to God. We were enemies. We were alienated. We were children of wrath. We deserved judgment. But Jesus came to reconcile us to God. And His ministry was one of reconciliation. Hallelujah. He came to take the hold of God who is holy and take the hold of fallen man and bridge that gap that sin had created. And here's how it, here's how it re- reflects on our prayer life. In the Old Testament God had a covenant with Israel when they fell, failed on their end of the covenant and they rebelled and sinned against Him. He wanted to help them. He wanted to deliver them. He wanted to keep them. But He said, I can't do it. I can't answer your prayers with this sin issue until it's resolved. My ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. And my hand is not short that it cannot save. But your sin has separated between you and your God. It was so instilled into them that fundamental knowledge of of this chasm that sin has created between us and God. That in the New Testament, they said these words, We know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and keep His commandments, him he heareth. And when we say keep His commandments, we're not talking about the law to the letter. Because no one could, no one did, and no one can do it now. Because if anyone could, Jesus didn't need to go to the cross. In fact, the law convinced us of our need for a Savior. Convinced self-righteous people of their need for a Savior. Hallelujah. But when we're saved and reconciled unto God... Bible said we look through a glass darkly at the future. We think we might know. We might imagine. But we really don't know in full. We, we don't know what, what we shall be. But one thing we do know. 
when he comes, we will see him as he is, for we shall be like him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you stand before God, you're going to be presented in a pristine, sinless. When I got saved, and my dad's background and our background, I could see balances. You know, weights and balances. And if your good works outweigh your bad works, you go to heaven. If it goes the other way, you go to hell. And you live your whole life trying to merit and earn what God gave by gift. We are saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God. Not of works. That's not saying there's not works that accompany salvation. It's saying works in and of themselves cannot gain heaven for you. Apart from the grace of God that is granted through the blood of Jesus Christ. No, lest what? Lest any man would boast. No one is going to say I belong here when they get there. No one's going to say I earned it when I get there. I believe that you're going to be shocked that you made it there. You're going to know that you're saved, but, but you're going to, when you get in the presence of God and God the Father, God the Son, that angels have to shield themselves from that holy presence and you're able to look Him in the face and He's able to look you in the face, hallelujah, you're going to say, you know, without the blood of Jesus, I don't belong here. These, this, is, this place is holy. Oh, everybody here is holy. Angels are holy. God is holy. Jesus is holy. And I'm imperfect. But I'm saved by the blood of Jesus. Amen. I'm sanctified by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. I have become a son of God. See, God didn't just... Have you ever heard this? And here's something I hope you probably don't say. You may have said it. And it sounds humble, but it's really not full of faith at all. <laughs> I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Well, you're not just an old sinner. God didn't just forgive you and leave you the slave of Satan and the slave of sin. God brought you into His royal family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was an old sinner. I have been saved by grace. But Paul looked out at an audience just like this, and he said, it doesn't appear what we shall be in total. We see through a glass darkly. The actual Greek would be like a bottle that's been in a fire and it's smoked until you can barely see shadowy images through it. He said, we can't see clearly everything. But here's what we can see by faith, through the eye of faith. Now, we don't know what we shall be, but now, now, here, everybody say, here and now. Now, we are the sons of God. And, if, and then he said, and if we're sons of God, then we are heirs of God. And if we are heirs of God, I don't know if you can handle it this early on Sunday morning. Amen. If we are heirs of God, if we are, and he said we are. By virtue of being spiritual sons and daughters of God, then we are joint heirs with Jesus. 
joint heirs with Jesus. Joint heirs with Jesus. If I could find a tie to the venerable family tree. I used to I used to sit I used to sit in an outhouse behind we had a house behind the house and I was proud of it because it was a two seater. We had double seats. However, we never sat side by side, but anyway. There's just some things you need a little privacy for. But I had a, the Sears catalog, we actually could afford toilet paper, so I didn't use the catalog. I didn't want to mess up the catalog. Catalog was my, my wish book, my dream book. Needless to say, we was po. We were po folk. We were so poor that I thought a two-seater outhouse was pretty good. <laughs> Amen. Young man come home after, to, after I got healed of cancer when I could have people over. He'd come home with me and he said, where's the bathroom? He's looking around the Jim Walter home that was unfinished that we never put a bathroom in before my folks divorced and it all fell apart. And I, I, I was very proud to take him outside and point him to that two-seater outhouse. <laughs> looking back on it, I thought, boy, he went home and told his mama they don't even have a bathroom inside their house. Poor folks, God has been good to your preacher. I appreciate everything. I appreciate a pair of shoes. I appreciate a pair of socks. Hallelujah. God been good to me every meal. I thank him for it. Praise God, he's been good to me. And when I found out that I belonged to him, that I was a son of God, I, you'll disqualify yourself from things. I remember when I first was told by a missionary. We, we borrowed my stepdad's pickup truck. We had enough money to put gas in it. We headed for Miami with a load to go to Jamaica, and we were following a missionary and a lady that was going over to serve with her. She was, had been in Jamaica for about 15 years, and uh, they were going to put all this stuff on a plane that was going to leave from the Miami airport. We had no money for food. We had no money for anything but just driving there, we were going to drop it off, turn around, and come home. We'll fast on the way back. But God had other plans. Rainstorm came up. We didn't have any cover on all that stuff. It was going to ruin everything. All those clothes and books and Bibles going to ruin. We had no tarpaulin over it. We pulled off beside the road behind the missionary. She come walking back to the truck. Little lady, slight little lady. She come walking back to the truck, and she said... That rain would ruin everything we're trying to get to Jamaica. She said, we're going to pray and tell that rain not to come over us. I thought, boy, now this is, this is something. This is not old Roberts here. Amen. This is, this is just a little lady that, that believes God's on the throne and God's in control. And, and, and if you pray and believe, you, nothing's impossible with God. And she prayed, and then she spoke to that rain cloud. She said, don't you come over us in the name of Jesus Christ. She said, now let's go. We took off, and it's coming. You, you know how these Florida rains are. It's coming. You see it coming. And it followed us. <laughs> Amen. It just followed us. We went all the way past somewhere down Alligator Alley. 
we going down that way to get to Miami Airport. We got way down in there somewhere in the little old motel off beside the road. And we pulled in at the motel and uh, to get some gasoline for her car. We just going on that. We going. We had enough in the truck to go there to get back, and that's all we had. We pulled in to get some gas, and here come a guy up to the gas pumps while she's gassing up. No rain came. It's dry as a bone where we are. It's rained all around us, but it didn't rain on us. And I got my first lesson in somebody that the devil couldn't disqualify from believing God for great things to get his job done. Amen. And I'm getting a lesson in faith. And I'm sitting there. We don't have nothing to, to get anything to eat with. We're, we're planning on sleeping in the truck and coming back the next day, staying as long as we can or driving right back that night. But a guy pulled up and he recognized the missionary. And he'd been supporting that missionary for several years. Isn't it amazing? What a coincidence. Can you say amen? <laughs> no, it wasn't no coincidence. It was God. It was God. It was God. He's a spirit-filled, tongue-talking, spirit-baptized veterinarian. And he pulled in and he said, uh, where y'all going? Miami Airport. You're not going to drive on in there this tonight. Yeah, we're headed for there. Well, you can't do anything till in the morning. You can't load the plane till in the morning. It's not going till tomorrow. He said, why don't you stay in this motel? I'll put you up for the night. We're sitting there and thinking, well, we'll, we'll sleep in the truck. You know, me and my wife, we'll just, we'll just hug. They used to hug. Lord, how mercy they used to hug. You would not believe how they used to hug. <laughs> yeah, they do. 20, 28 years. Praise God. Amen. I'm working on, work, working on 54. Hallelujah. Still hugging. But this amazing thing, God is meeting the need. Prayer is being answered and God is supplying. See, missionaries get out on the mission field. They don't have all the backup that we have. They get out in strange lands and they don't have medications and they don't have bank accounts and they don't have this and they don't have that and they just have to believe God. And God puts you out in faith like that to show you how faithful He is. Amen. Because when they came to follow Jesus, He said, don't, don't even bring two changes of, of clothes. Boy, my wife couldn't go nowhere. We, <laughs> if we go somewhere before four days, we got five suitcases and then and, and, and <laughs> just in case. <laughs> I'm going to get a fist bump and don't you get mad at him. You're not that way. You go camping. Y'all go camping. You don't need five suitcases. You bring the kitchen sink. <laughs> They, they got a tent with the kitchen sink in it. My wife's idea of camping is fishing and camping out is fishing at Long John Silver's and camping out at the Holiday Inn. Amen. <laughs> but they knew what it was. The missionary knew what it was. She knew what it was to face demon opposition in those foreign missionaries believe in the authority of Jesus name over the devil and over the circumstances 
Don't bring any script. Don't bring any money. Don't bring two changes of clothes. You're going to go out with me, and we're going to believe God, and God's going to supply. And Lazarus was one of the households that put them up. Amen. And here we were in the middle of what I considered nowhere, and we're broke, and yet God is on the throne. And God blesses us with a nice bed to sleep in. And, and we were able to go to his home to eat supper and the, our dessert. And the thing that I remember most was carrot cake with cream cheese icing. And I thought, Lord, remember I told you about that? Sitting at his house having carrot cake and coffee and cream cheese icing. Wow, God is so good, Brother Shaw. God is so good. Amen. But then... Then, then for the Lord to provide for all of that, supply all of that need, give us a place to sleep. And we got up the next morning, and he left her some money for us to eat on. And there was something like an IHOP or something close. But we didn't bring a change of clothes, and we didn't bring a toothbrush. And, and, and back then I was clean-shaven, so now I had the stubble and uh, my hair. I didn't bring any hairspray. <laughs> yes, I was just getting my preacher hair. Amen. <laughs> and so my hair's messed up, and Pamela, we didn't bring a comb. We didn't bring a brush. And we just didn't look, you know, like we felt like we could walk in that restaurant and sit down. And, and we told the missionary, y'all go on in and eat. The lady that was with her, we'll just, we'll just wait. We'll just wait and, until you're done, and we'll go on. And because and we're not really dressed or we're not really, you know, we're not really presentable. And she said, listen, we are the children of the king. We are the children of the most high God. This wasn't a pride thing. It was an acknowledgement. We're on business for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And it don't matter how people may view us. We are the children of the Most High God. Hallelujah. Amen. I squared my shoulders. <laughs> Tried not to breathe on anybody. <laughs> Went in and had that good meal and said, Lord, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good. And all the way home, we thought about the blessings of the Lord, the answers to prayer, how God provided for our needs and their needs. And we thought, Lord, you're so good. You're so much bigger. You're so much better. But the thing that stuck with me, we're the children of the Most High God. We don't prance around with pride, but we are bold in our faith. We have a reconciled relationship with God. And Jesus said because of that reconciliation, the just has suffered for the unjust. The, the apostle said that he might what? The primary reason for saving us? That he might bring us to God. That that gap that sin has created is closed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And we're reconciled. And now you are the sons of God. And if sons then heirs of God. And if heirs, then joint heirs with Jesus. Bill Gates trumps Trump. Trump says he's a billionaire. Bill Gates is a multi-billionaire. He's, he's giving away 
billions because he's got more than he could ever spend in his lifetime or his children ever spend. The head of Microsoft. If I could become a joint heir with one of his kids, I'd be set for this life financially. Amen. A joint heir means you get the same portion as that person gets. And what is the portion that we get? Is it just heaven where Jesus is going to live? He's preparing heaven for us, a place for us. To me, to be a joint heir with Jesus means that we have the relationship with God that is more precious than gold, silver, anything tangible. We have a relationship with God that was unique to Christ alone. He was the only begotten of the Father until he went to the cross. But he's not the only begotten anymore. Amen. Amen. He can't be. If we're sons and joint heirs with Jesus, then we've been brought into a relationship with God that was unique to Christ. No one could say, Abba, Father, but Jesus. Until the cross. And then everyone that came to Christ, according to Romans chapter 8, whereby we have been given the spirit of adoption. I'm going to tell you something about the legal term of adoption. Adoption an adopted child, it is such a strong legal thing because you have, you, have, you have absolutely given your name, your title to that child. That child is as legitimately yours as, as, as any blood child could ever claim. When you adopt, there is no difference at all. Now, we're not divine. We're human. This is the glory that we as mere human beings, without being divine, can be brought into the kingdom of God, brought into the royal family of God, designated as sons of God. And every time we say, Abba, Father, because of the spirit of adoption, which is the Holy Spirit that came to live within us, He confirms it. He confirms it. His spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Hallelujah. And we've lived beneath that place that God has placed us in. In fact, we've been given joint seating with Him. We've been seated with Him in heavenly places. And that's all by revelation. And here we are as God's children praying those prayers of, oh, Oh, I hope he, I hope he'll listen. I hope, oh, I hope he'll, no, 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 no. I remember hearing the true story of a young man who, his daddy, his daddy was the king. He was nine or ten years old. No one could approach the king's chamber. You know, it got, it got, it it would be disrespectful if his wife, it was dangerous for his wife to just burst in. You know, because it was like a disrespectful thing. 
And there were guards to the king's chamber, lest someone assassinate him or hurt him. And here come a kid running. Had been gone somewhere with his mama, got home, wanted to see his daddy. And his daddy just happened to be the king. So he come running for the king's chamber and the guards stopped him. And he said, let me go, let me go, let me go. And when the king heard his son's voice outside, he said, let him come in. The son ran and jumped up in his daddy's lap and hugged him and kissed him. And his daddy hugged him and kissed him back. And while he was saying, let me go, and the guard saying, you cannot enter, he said, but you cannot enter the king's chamber. And the little child said, but that's my daddy. That's my daddy. That's my daddy. Abba, whereby we cry, we cry, we, every child of God, we cry what only Jesus could legitimately cry in the garden. We cry after the cross. We cry, Abba, Father. It's, there's an intimacy. There's a closeness. It's not this God that we're trying to get to hear us. It's this God that loves us and set His heart upon us and sent His Son to us. It's a Savior who stayed on the cross because love held Him there. Not nails. Not Roman soldiers. Not the government of Rome. Only one thing held Him on that tree. And that was love for you. And love for me. And when He made the commitment to the cross, He prayed and prefaced His prayer with Abba, Father, if there be any other way. There's the intimacy. God is with me. On the cross, that intimacy couldn't continue. Jesus didn't die held in the arms of his daddy, his father. Jesus took our sin upon him. And I don't know the mystery of it. It's still mystical. But he that knew no sin, though he never sinned, he became sin or was treated as a sinner. So that we could have our sins forgiven. And on that cross he said, Eloi, Eloi, Lama, Sabachthani. Which being interpreted is my God. My God. Why hast thou forsaken me? I need you, Abba. If you think God didn't experience pain. While his son cried out on the cross. I'm going to tell you. I love people. But if my innocent, pure child. Was impaled on a cross. Crying out to his daddy. And I had the power to take him off of that cross. Rather than let him continue to suffer. I don't have that kind of love in me. That if I take him off the cross, Cherie is going to be judged. And Cherie deserves judgment because Cherie has sinned. And he hasn't sinned at all. But I'm going to leave him on that cross. I'm going to turn a deaf ear to his cry so that Cherie can be forgiven. So that Cherie can be saved. And he is going to stay on that cross even though I'm not there to console him. So that Cherie can be forgiven 
so that Cherie can be reconciled to God, so that Cherie can have eternal life. Honey, that's love. If that isn't love, <laughs> then the sparrow can't fly. There's no clouds in the sky. Amen, if that isn't love. There's never been a love like it. There will never be a love to compare to it. For greater love than this hath no man. Hallelujah. Greater love than this hath no man. That's the incredible love of God. So Jesus wants us to experience that. So he said, when you pray, begin it this way. Before you make a petition, before you praise, before you ask forgiveness, before you forgive, before you do anything else, the foundation, the framework for your prayer is your reconciled relationship with God. You begin by saying what? Our Father. Our Father. Our. Our. Not just His Father, but our Father. And when he talked about the Father, he talked in such terms of love that they said, show us the Father. Show us the Father. And we'll be satisfied. He said, if you've been with me this long and you haven't seen the Father, I say unto you, when you've seen me, You've seen the Father. See, God is a spirit. No man has seen his physical form. But we can know his person, his personality, his character. Because everything Jesus said and did was what the Father told him to say and do. So when you've seen me, you've seen him. And it demystifies. I, the pastor that was pastor of the church that had the evangelist in when I was healed of cancer, he messed up he went off the rails he failed God and of course the devil wanted to destroy him completely him never to be reconciled come back never repent and he said you know what hurt me and kept me away from God for a long time he became a he became a manager of an Eckerd drugstore he picked up his big old cigar habit and you would see when I, to, to think of my pastor, you know, puffing a big cigar, not preaching anymore was just unthinkable to me. When he gave his testimony, he said I was, when, when I grew up, I opened my family Bible. My first impression of God. I opened the family Bible. And there was an artist's perception of God driving an angry God driving Adam and Eve from the garden. And he said, I thought, he can't love me. He can't forgive me. He can't restore me. He's just angry at me. I'm hopeless. I'm helpless. And he said, I was sitting watching TV, puffing on a big old cigar. And said, he spoke to me. And said, Joe, I love you. And he said, I couldn't believe that he was telling me he loved me after I failed him. You see, this is divine love. This is beyond the human ability. This is something in God's heart. That's what held Jesus to the cross. 
And you know what it did to that guy whose heart had to begin to harden? And it felt like there's no hope for me. His heart melted. His heart melted. His heart melted. That heart of stone and bitterness and, and anger and, and shame and self-deprecation. All of that went out the window when he experienced the love of God. And it was a love unmerited. It was grace allowing that love to flow to him. It was mercy flowing. And he said, my heart broke. And it's like a, a dam broke. And the tears that would not come flowed down his cheeks. And he repented of all sin and received the forgiveness that God purposed and provided in Christ on the cross. And everybody that's ever been to the place where only mercy and grace could bring them back up their perspective changes I've known preachers that have fallen and before they fell in God through grace and mercy lifted them back up they were very hard on everybody and God listen sin will destroy you and we don't need to be soft on sin but I want to tell you something God loves the sinner while hating the sin Make no mistake about it. He wants everyone saved. It's not His will that any perish, but that all have eternal life. And the wonderful thing about it is you don't have to beat people into serving God if they ever fall in love with Him. If a man loved me, what happens? If a man loved me, if a man loved me, he'll keep my commandments. And they won't be grievous to him. Hallelujah. If he loves me, he'll want to serve me. If he loves me just loving him back for loving us reconciliation is the reason Jesus came and when we're reconciled unto God then heaven becomes our destination our home and the place is so we can be together forever I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. I want you to be with me forever. Amen. This is not just a city that is so beautiful and outstanding. This is a, a God who says, I want a fellowship relationship with you throughout all eternity. I never want to be apart from you. Amen. And that was his intention from day one to create and I'm going to just surmise here. This I say and not the Lord. This is not a theological uh, thing that I can confirm. Why did God bother creating man? When he has already created tens of thousands of angels to serve him and to conduct whatever he needs done with angelic assignments. Why did he create man? Why did he create man? And the Bible said he created man a little lower than the angels. We're eternal. Make no mistake about it. We can't fly around and do all that stuff. But we are going to live somewhere forever. There's an eternal quality to you. But we're lower than the angels. We're not celestial. Why did he do that? Well, the Bible said, number one, he's love. He has power. All power. He's mighty. But we've known and believed the love that God has for us because God is love. That's the essence of His being. And let me tell you something about love. Love cannot be satisfied or fulfilled unless it is giving to its object. 
If you love someone, you want to bless them. And you find your greatest fulfillment in blessing them. And for love to be fulfilled, God created a creature that was going to need his help. Somebody say amen. Somebody say and how. God created a creature that was going to need his help. Give us this day our daily bread, everything dependent on him to supply. And in the supplying of our need, he finds fulfillment. So instead of trying to get him to help you, receive what he's purposed, promised, and provided. Because he's fulfilled. He, he takes pleasure. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. When you're spiritually blessed, when you're healed, when you're helped, God takes pleasure. He does. I remember my son wanted a bicycle. We couldn't afford a bicycle that Christmas. But I purposed the next Christmas, I'm going to get him a bicycle. I can't wait to see his face on Christmas morning. When, because he still thinks, he knew we were poor. I didn't have to tell him, he knew it. And he knew we couldn't afford a bicycle. We could afford a plastic army vehicle and you know some plastic stuff but not a bicycle but a Christmas came and we saved up and we put back and we said he wants it so bad we want so bad to give it to him and we gave him that bicycle and to see his face when he got up you know you can't wrap a bicycle and make it a surprise <laughs> it's evident don't bother wrapping it just just wait till he's asleep and you know the you know the drill if you don't go to sleep he ain't coming telling you right now you better go to bed he ain't coming <laughs> and so <laughs> we played the game we just played the game <laughs> and it was but to bless him and when he saw it he oh and he runs over and he hugs mama and he hugs daddy and he wants to jump on and he wants to ride down the road and we watched his joy and it makes us so happy god takes pleasure God takes pleasure. When I was healed of cancer, and my mama's crying, and my daddy's praising him, hallelujah. I remember my dad, after they gave me that good report, getting out his fiddle <laughs> and playing, I was lost and undone without God or his son when the Savior reached down for me. When the Savior reached down for me, when he reached way down for me, he must have played that for two hours, just rejoicing in the Lord for healing his son. Hallelujah. God loves you that much. So Jesus starts talking about the Father, the Father, the Father. And then he says, I go to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. And then he said, heretofore, you have asked the Father. He's always wanting you to know the Father. Can you say amen? He says, he said, heretofore, you've asked the Father nothing in my name. Ask that you might receive, that your joy might be full. See, it's not just getting the answer. 
It's knowing the Lord and having a relationship with the Lord. Hallelujah. And he said, and I do not pray. I do not say that I will pray for you. For the Father himself loveth you. And then, in closing, he said in John 17, and you've taught on this and took off and run with that. Here's, here's his prayer for all of us. He begins to pray for everyone that would believe on him. The apostles then and all that would come after them. And he said, Father, you know how I'm in you and you're in me. I want them to be one with us just like you're in me and I'm in you. Did God answer the prayer after the cross? After the cross so he could answer it? Christ is in you. And that's the hope of glory. If you've got any doubt that you're going to go to heaven, (laughs) if Jesus can come and live within you, the city is not holier than him. Without him, there's, gold don't make it holy. Sapphires and diamonds don't make it holy. The holy ones in that city make it holy. Can you say man? And when Jesus comes in to your life, and he does, when you come to Christ as Savior, I and my Father will come in and we will make our abode. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's relationship that's fellowship that's God wanting a relationship and spiritually you're baptized not just in water you're baptized into Christ's body so God is in you you're in Christ I want them to be one just like you're in me and I'm in you. I want them to have that kind of relationship with us. And here's the kicker. And Father, I want you to love them with the same love wherewith you have loved me. How can God love me with my flaws, my faults, like He loves His holy, sinless, spotless Son. No one could do that but God. And Jesus said, I want you to love them with the same love where you have loved me. And if you could feel God's embrace when you pray, you would believe all that doubt and all that fear and all of that disqualifying of yourself would go away. We're the children of the Most High God. So my son said, Dad, I prayed. I can't tell you it was my prayer that did anything. I said, if God prompted you to pray, it's amazing who God would choose to intercede Somebody that feels so unworthy. (laughs) And yet there's people in here right now that get those same feelings sometimes. That I can't pray a bold prayer because I haven't come to that place. I used to listen to A.A. Allen. 
back when he was in the tent. I used to listen to Oral Roberts. I used to listen to Jack Coe back when I was growing up. And they talk about the price they paid to have that power, the fasting, the seeking. And I believe in paying a price in that. But I want you to know something. Never interpret that as your qualification to come before the Lord. Amen. You can fast till they can stick you through a keyhole. Can you say amen? <laughs> but it's not going to impress God till you acknowledge who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you. Hallelujah. You have an audience with God. He has no stepchildren. God is no respecter of persons. And he wants you to know him today. And he wants you to let him love you with the love that he loved his son with. For we've known and believed the love that God has for us. For God is love. And love finds its fulfillment in meeting the need of its object. That's where it's better to give. That's why Jesus said that. It's better to give than it is to receive. It's better. It's more fulfilling. Hallelujah. Because this is when we're more like God. And this is when we begin to sense what he senses. So this hanging of our head in this false humility i'm not worth anything and i used to hear preachers do it and i thought that's how you're supposed to do it somebody would say boy god really gave you a good message oh, it wasn't me it wasn't me at all yeah it was you he had to speak through somebody come on if you didn't open your mouth he couldn't speak through you he didn't anoint you and appoint you amen I used to do it too. It's, oh God, it ain't me. I'm nothing. I'm less than nothing. I'm lower than a snake in a wagon rut. Amen. I worked for Tampa Electric when they were building the Tampa International Airport. And it was back during the Black Power Movement. We had a lady, she drove a dump truck. And she's a big lady. And, and that's when, you know, the black power symbol was given. It was back in the 70s. And I, I remember late 60s, early 70s, and she would go by. And she would give us that, you know, in that big old dump truck and honk that horn. And we would give her the symbol back, you know, because we're all in agreement. Times, they are a-changing. But one of the things that came out of that, people that had been oppressed and suppressed their entire life, kept down something, a slogan came. And it wasn't said in pride. It was, it was said in a boldness and a self-respect. There's a difference. I am somebody. Can you say, man, I'm not a nobody. Let me tell you something. The devil wants you to see yourself as a nobody. But you are a somebody. And he knows the place you have with God. He knows the power you have with God. He knows if you pray as a somebody instead of a nobody. Amen. You're going to pray in faith. And God is going to move by his spirit. Can you say amen? And God is going to save some lost people. Deliver some bound people. Heal some sick people. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. He wants to keep you down. And you need to stand up not in pride. But in a bold faith in the finished work of Jesus and say I am somebody can you say man I'm a son I'm a daughter 
I have access to the king's chamber because the king is my daddy. Woo! Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. This self-deprecating. We're so afraid of pride we won't even acknowledge our sonship. Our sonship. Man that prayed for me knew who he was in God. He didn't hesitate. He commanded the cancer to go. He didn't have a theological degree. He wasn't highly educated. He just knew who he was and who God was in him. Hallelujah. He knew the power and the authority of Jesus' name. What would happen if all of God's children rose up in a bold faith and begin to pray? Hallelujah. And believe when we pray. And believe when we pray. Not get, not pray and then try to muster up some faith. But when you stand praying, believe that you re- receive and you shall have. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Will you stand your feet today? God has been so good to me. God has been so good to me. Hallelujah. Last month, 407 people came to our blog from the United States of America. 64 from France, 53 from Germany, 17 from Portugal, 12 from the Ukraine, 3 from Poland, 2 from the United Arab Emirates. One thing's good about the blog, anything that's on it, you can push a button, it will translate it from English into their chosen language. That means they can hear it in their own tongue. Nigeria too. China one and Ireland one. That's just the blog part. God is sending his word around the world. He's going to raise an army up. And this timid, beat down, tepid church. Amen. That lets the devil defraud them and run over them. Is going to rise up and changes are coming, Brother Hobbs. Changes are coming. Changes are coming. You could be disqualified in mine in your day for wearing a piece of jewelry. You were not holy enough for God to give you the Holy Ghost, let alone answer a prayer. Amen. If you wore a beard like I, you must have something to hide. You must be one of them dope crazed hippies. Can you say, man? I remember when the hippies started getting saved at our church. They started getting saved, and we started baptizing them in water. Thank God they came to know Christ as their Savior. They had their beards, and they had their crazy stuff, but they were saved. They didn't look like us. They didn't talk like us initially. Amen. They, yeah. But they got saved like us, and that's the bottom line with God. And then God does the cleaning up. We had to deal with God. We'll catch them, you clean them. Can you say, man, we'll catch them, you clean them. We can't do that. That's your job. Hallelujah. Amen. The, 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 the lady in our church that, that was the former pastor, we had, a, we had a tapestry of Jesus. And he had a beard. And uh, they plucked his beard, so I assume he had one. And so the artist is right. She made us take down that tapestry 
because she didn't want to encourage facial hair because it just wasn't holy like it ought to be. David, I'm so sorry that you were so disqualified. God said he ain't nothing but an old hippie. I ain't going to listen to a thing he got to say. Amen. No, David, I'm going to tell you right now. This here facial hair, that's not what he's looking at. He's looking beyond the hair or the lack of it. And he's looking right there into the heart. And when he sees someone that has received Christ as Savior, they've been reconciled unto God. And what God hath cleansed, let no man call common or unclean. Can you say man? You are somebody. You are somebody in the kingdom of God. And the devil knows. And he wants to keep you from that acknowledgement. Because when you rise up and pray, you make a hedge around your family members. Hallelujah. I've been doing spiritual battle for my son, but all along the way, God's been showing me things. It wasn't just me praying for him. He was praying for me. I'm going to tell you something. There's somebody praying for you that don't feel worthy to pray for you. There's somebody praying for you to stand and you to not be hurt to the point of being just brought to ashes. Somebody stand. And it's not the person who usually did it. God is putting you on somebody's heart right now. And they're praying. I can see them calling your name before the Lord. And God is listening, Sean. God is listening. God is listening. I want you to stretch your hand this way. God is listening. God is listening. God is listening. Praise the Lord. Brother Hobbs, I want you to come. God is, would you come with us? Amen. God has done something in his life. I love people to come. Brother Taylor, God has done something for you. God's done something for you. Would you come? Hallelujah. These people got faith because God has done something. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're joining with the prayer that's being prayed for you right now. Hallelujah. God raises up people to pray. God raises up people people to pray. God is raising up people to pray. People that won't let the devil talk them out of it. People that won't allow the devil to disqualify them. People that will feel the compassion of God. And some of the people that we've been investing in and praying for, guess what? Amen. We're reaping through them what we have sown in them. And some of the very people that look the weakest and need prayer the worst, God is raising up to pray back for us. Hallelujah. And the heart of the fathers are being turned back to the children. And the heart of the children back to the fathers before that great and terrible day of the Lord I will send someone in the spirit and power of Elijah can you say man hallelujah who told the sky to stop up and no rain fell for three years and told it to open up and it came back again this is a powerful ministry that God is raising up Elijah the spirit and power of Elijah begin with power not with prophesying not with preaching. Elijah was a man to subject to like passions as we are. But he prayed. But he prayed. But he prayed. Oh, 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He prayed. He was just like us, but he knew what happened when he prayed. Hallelujah. 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 Out of those caves of discouragement, those caves of fear, hallelujah, God is bringing forth ministry in the spirit and power of Elijah. Hallelujah. 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 And Sean has a perspective of God's mercy. God has an understanding of God's grace. And we're able to minister to one another with the same comfort that He has comforted us with. There's a compassion here. Hallelujah. That allows the Holy Spirit to just touch deeper than just an anointing without the compassion. It's here, Sean. It's come through tears and hurt and pain and pressure. But it's come. And there's a tender warrior standing here. A tender-hearted warrior for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Glory be to God. Glory be to God. And God's not through with you yet either, son. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When God restores, when God restores, when God restores what the canker worm, caterpillar, locust, and grasshopper hath eaten. Hallelujah. The years, the years, former and latter rain will come in a season. That's why we're looking to, to lengthen our cords and strengthen our stakes. We want a building big enough to hold a lot more people. We want to step out in faith. We're not going to sit here. How many know people need to hear this message today? Amen. They need to hear it. They need to hear it. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. John, I'm so glad. I know, I know some of the struggles. I know some of the heartaches and the heartbreak. But I know God loves you. I know God has His hand on you. I know the devil wants to just absolutely hurt you any way he can. But I know faith is rising up in your heart toward God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I know that you receive that reconciled relationship that He offers with gladness. This man's not running from that offer he's running toward it hallelujah and God has a plan and God has a purpose and God has a blessing hallelujah he takes pleasure he takes pleasure he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants hallelujah that's why Paul knowing that about God said I wish above all things that you be in good health and prosper even as your soul prospers can you say man hallelujah Hallelujah. It gives God pleasure. Brother Taylor, 
Thank God for your ministry. Thank God for your ministry. Thank God for your ministry. Hallelujah. 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 Thank God for a keep on keeping on man. Thank God for a man that keeps on keeping on. If this building is full, he'll teach you. If it's almost empty, he'll teach you. But I believe a day is coming when people are going to come and say, tell me, tell me what this means. Tell me what this scripture means. Tell me how to apply it to my life. In the name of Jesus, Father. Rose, right where you're seated. Rose is a teacher. Rose is a teacher. Rose is a teacher. Rose is a teacher. Amen. This is not about age, but this is about our, our time walking with the Lord. The older women are to teach the younger. We're going to need teaching ministries. I won't be able to do it all. I'm not supposed to do it all. But it's time for all these ministries to rise up in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, she laid down a teaching ministry to come and listen, to come and learn. But it's time to step back up. Hallelujah. 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 Rose, when you came, you sung with a tape, but a lady was singing. You just sung with her like I do when I lead singing. And you sung about the alabaster box. This precious ointment. That that box was broken. And all of that precious ointment was lavished on Jesus. Lavished on Jesus. Lavishing their love on Jesus by serving Him. Hallelujah. And Rose, you're going to lavish your love on the Lord. Hallelujah. This journey's almost through with your mama. It's almost through and you've stood by her. Hallelujah. But your ministry is on hold. But it's only on hold. It's only on hold. God just hit the pause button for you to care for your mama. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. This is an anointing for the last day ministry. Hallelujah. I will send someone in the spirit and power of Elijah. And they shall turn the hearts of the children back to the fathers. And the hearts of the fathers back to the children. According to Malachi's prophecy hallelujah 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 glory to god hallelujah you've touched this woman's life indelibly rose amen put your hand on her amen she's going to be praying for you not just you praying for her you've made an indelible imprint upon this woman Hallelujah. You've touched this woman right here that's touching you right now. Hallelujah. 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 
Mikalaba City Andaraba. Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 And they're sowing it back into you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Father, we praise you. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. Hallelujah. Right in this room, God is going to raise up men and women of faith. You're going to know and believe the love that God has for you. You're going to receive it without doubting. And you're going to become bold when you pray. There's going to be a faith in His faithfulness. Hallelujah. There's going to be a faith in His love. Hallelujah. Praise God. And someone here is going to be delivered and set free from chains that the devil says will never break. But as you come into God's kingdom, there is nothing that God can't do to heal you. Whether it's alcohol addiction, whether it's some other addiction. <laughs> oh, 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 the glory when you stand and declare your victory. Hallelujah. That God is going to receive. That God is going to receive. That God is going to receive. And when you step back into your calling, Sister Rose, you'll be seasoned. You'll be seasoned. There's more than an anointing. There's a seasoning. A preparation. Hallelujah. It's not just on me. It's on men and women. Boys and girls being raised up. Hallelujah. Let's just give him praise. God is healing hurts. God is healing sickness. God is